He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dan Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward Mills. She's a preacher. Hallelujah. She's a believer. She loves God, I tell you. When you just, you know, talk with her, you walk with her, you see that this is something who, somebody, I'm sorry, somebody who knows God and loves God. And I always yearn so much, I want to be like her. You know, I want to be able to counsel like her. Yesterday when she was answering the questions, I said, God. And it wasn't like she would pause to think. That, I mean, that it just flows. It's the grace of God. Hallelujah. Amen. It is the anointing. Amen. And I believe we can all get there. Hallelujah. When I know that she's a prayerful woman. She's a prayerful woman. She goes on her knees and she prays, not only for her needs, but for the church. Look at this big church, hundreds, thousands of people. But she's the mother. She has so many children. Her biological children are few, but her spiritual children. Boy, is few. Amen. <laughs> but we, are, we love her so much. Don't we, Atlanta? Yeah. Woo! Amen. I can talk and talk and talk about my mom. I love her so much. But I want her to bring us a word from the Lord. Amen. So will you please rise onto your feet? Amen. Put your hands together and welcome our first lady, Lady Pastor Adley.
be your name. For who is like unto you? You are a faithful God. You are our creator and our maker. And this morning your people have gathered, not because of any man, not because of any name, but because of you, Jesus, and because of your name, and because of what you are and who you are to us. We bless your name this morning. Lord, let your presence be here. Let the Holy Spirit so fill this place that no foul spirit shall have room here. Let the Spirit of God penetrate our hearts. Let the Spirit of God work in us and through us. Speak through this vessel to your children. Change lives and change hearts. And Lord, let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your seats. Well, we thank God for a wonderful daughter you can make it convention. And we thank him also for his faithfulness. Amen. For all the things that he has spoken to us and the repairs that he has done in our lives and on our lives, we give him all the glory. It is not like a chemistry class. It is not like, um, I always say that when I look at preparing a case to go to court, and then preparing to come and preach. Preparing to come and preach is more difficult to me than preparing to, to put your case up in court. Because when you are preparing to preach, you know, you see more and more your humanness, your helplessness, and how you need God so much and the Spirit of God so much. And God has to speak to you. And it's God who knows what his children need and all that. And it, it, it shows you your nothingness. And I thank God that the words that the, the, he gives to us, they are not our own words, but they are divine words. The Bible says all scripture, not some, is inspired by God. And is given for every facet of our lives. And I pray that the scripture will be allowed into our lives. Amen. I want to thank all the daughters who came and the sons from Tulsa, from Atlanta, from Memphis, from Chicago, no, uh, one. <laughs> from Charlotte and uh, where else? North Carolina, Charlotte and Greensboro and Florida and Ghana and Oklahoma and London and Texas. <laughs> I, I don't have the draw, you know, but we thank God and may God bless you. And as you speak spiritual things, may he give you more than spiritual things. He will give you back spiritual things, but he will give you more than you came for, like the Queen of Sheba. Amen. I also want to thank my husband, the bishop, for releasing me to be here today. And I want to thank Reverend Joel, your general overseer, Lady Pastor BDR, and all the pastors and lady pastors. God bless you. And the Atlanta and the Daughters Choir, you are wonderful. Your standards are comparable to none. And the dancers, you are very supple and, you know, we are praying. Some of us are praying that we'll become like that. But we don't know when. Lest we break our waist. Amen. But God bless you. The food was super. The food was good. And it energized us to be here. So God bless you for everything. Those who prayed. The unseen people. The foundations. Those who registered people and faced them for not paying. May the Lord prosper you all. It is well. Amen.
This morning, I want to speak to you about. Hmm. <laughs> the weapon of soberness. The weapon of soberness. Amen. Please turn your Bibles with me to Second Corinthians chapter ten. It's a popular verse. Second Corinthians chapter ten. Reading from verse 3. I can still hear leaves of books rustling, the Bibles that are wait. Are we there? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, King James says strongholds. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. Now Paul here is saying that Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. It means that although we are in the body, we do not do things as if we are only flesh. But we do things as if we are spirit men and women. Hallelujah. So though we walk, you cannot help but walk in the flesh. When it comes to war, don't use fleshly weapons. It means that they are fleshly weapons and they are spiritual weapons. And the Bible says our weapons are not carnal. And most of the time, carnal weapons look very powerful. Because carnal weapons, apart from maybe what you use even on the battlefield, when somebody offends you or insults you and you give the person a good dress down of words, you feel that you have achieved a lot. He said, I told her a thing or two, but usually it's more than a thing or two you told the person. And you feel very satisfied and very accomplished that I have sorted her out and it is well. And those are the kind of weapons the Bible is saying. These are carnal weapons. When somebody offends you, say, if I keep, I keep forgiving, if I keep turning the other cheek, I will develop sores. So I have to now take vengeance into my hands and face the person myself squarely and fully. But the Bible is saying that the world has its weapons and our fleshly nature has weapons that appeal to it. But it's saying though we walk in the flesh, when it comes to warring and fighting, do not use things that your flesh suggests to you or that appeals to your flesh that this is the way. You know, unforgiveness is met by unforgiveness. Under Moses' law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You know, but even then, I see that there was grace and there was mercy. Because it is in the Old Testament verses, the Bible, that's, the verse that says, His mercies are new every morning. It's in the book of Lamentations. 
So even God's mercy was weaving through those things like that. Moses said about, let's say, marital breakup, that the reason why these laws were given was because of the hardness of your heart. But Jesus said that when he comes into our lives, he would take the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh that can feel the things of God. So although we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the But we are often tempted to war after the flesh. And it says because the reason why we don't war after the flesh is because for means because. The weapons of our warfare. It means that God admits that you must be in a war. And God admits that you need weapons. And the Bible says in Ephesians 6, we do not war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness. But most of the time, Satan's things are packaged so nicely. We don't think there'll be wickedness in there. And the Bible doesn't just say wickedness, it's spiritual wickedness in high places, very high. The councils and the meetings and the board meetings made on you are taken at a certain realm, realm and a certain level. And it's spiritual wickedness, but it comes as nicely packaged. The Bible says Satan must create as an angel of light. So when you see, so Satan's things are nice. Satan's things, they gratify the flesh. Satan's things make me feel good, but this walk in Christianity is too hard. No. Try Satan and see. He's not an easy taskmaster. Amen. But the Bible says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And because they are not carnal, they don't look powerful. Anything God chooses often, it doesn't, you know, because his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways. So what he chooses doesn't look powerful to us. So he says that even though they are not carnal, God has to convince us that they are mighty. And they are just not mighty on their own. The only reason why they are mighty is because they are God's methods. And it says they are mighty through God. Not by him, not around him, but through God. Through the pulling down of strongholds. Sometimes there are strongholds in our lives. And people say, what is a stronghold? A stronghold is anything that has a very strong hold on you. <laughs> and it has such a stronghold on you that it's not easy for you to overcome it. You know, when you are overcome with something, it is a stronghold. Or something that you are trying to beat against, conquer, and that thing stands resolute and is not going away. And the Bible is saying that the weapons that God gives you, they are mighty and strong enough to the pulling down of strongholds. It means that our weapons, they look powerful, but usually, or most of the time, or always, they will not be able to pull down strongholds. Hallelujah. Amen. Casting down imaginations. It says that when you use that weapon, you are able to cast down imaginations. Because we imagine things. We imagine bad things. When I see her, I'll say this to her. When it comes from work, I'll make this one. Like the north, you will never forget. When imaginations of bad things that we will do with our carnal weapons. Casting down imaginations. And the greatest battlefield is our minds. Our minds tell us this, that that is where we draw all the battle plans. And the Bible says that the type of weapons that God gives you, they are able to cast down those imaginations. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing 
most of the time when you want to fight, hmm, there are high things that tell you that. You know, when you say, oh, I want to get married, lady pastor, it's always unbelievers who are coming. You see, Jesus, he didn't get married, so he doesn't know what marital problems are. Every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is saying, this is the way to go. And then the high thing comes and says, no, I'm higher than what God is saying. I'm higher than the word in your life. If it's sentiments, if it's emotions, if it's experiences, no, I'm higher than the knowledge of God. And the Bible is saying that you need weapons to pull down all those things. And those, when you use God's weapons, it brings down every high thing that exalts itself. That things begin to exalt themselves above what God has said about himself. Exalting themselves above the knowledge of God. And taking captive every thought. Amen. Amen. Your thoughts have to be taken captive. Brothers, your thoughts go haywire. And uh, before you even marry us, your thoughts, when I marry my wife, she'll do this and she'll do that. And in the bedroom, she'll do this and she'll do that. It's all remote control. It's not us. You are using your imagination, but it's not so. Amen. And the way you might say, ah, I thought that it's, your imagination is 100 and the, and the reality is like 50 or 40. So, oh, I thought that you don't know that it's your mind that has created every high thing that exalted and every sub bring it into captivity. Our thoughts have to be taken captive because they like to go haywire and behave anyhow. Hallelujah. But they are different weapons. You see, the Bible talked about weapons, plural. It means that they are not different. God gives us different, different weapons in our arsenal that we can use. And this morning, I choose to speak to you by the Spirit of God about the weapon of soberness. You know, and I want you to turn with me to Philippians 1.28. Philippians 1.28. Amen. You know, American standard says, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. I think King James says, in no way being terrified. In nothing terrified, which is to them an evident token of perdition. Hallelujah. The weapon of soberness. What does it mean to be sober? To be sober means not to be drunk. When somebody is drunk, so the person is beside himself. His senses are not working properly. He's seeing the stars. He's seeing things that don't exist. And his behavior is unbecoming. He's, he can't work properly. And he, all those things are the opposite of soberness. But soberness is the ability to be still. The ability to be temperate. The ability to be self-controlled. The ability to, to just look relaxed in the midst of seemingly terrible situations. Maybe there may be a great war, but you are just soberly in there. You know, and the Bible is saying in nothing being terrified. Now, most of the time when there's war, everybody is active. 
Everybody's expending some energy. Everybody is beating somebody or doing something. But there are times when God told people to go to battle and say, you will not need to fight in this war. And that's the most difficult thing for us. Why take me to war and tell me I won't fight? The arrows are coming. The gunshots are coming. I can see the tankers moving. And you say, you will not need to fight in this battle. Exodus 40, 40, when the Israelites got to the Red Sea, the Egyptians are behind you. The Red Sea is before you. You are terrified. Because you are hemmed in, sandwiched by opposing situations. And this Moses does not have even a pistol. He has a rod. <laughs> I mean, the things that God does, you know, at least give him a pistol so that we will feel, we'll have a sense of security. But there's no such thing. You give him a rod. And then these people have chariots. We are walking on foot. Already by human statistics, we've, won, we've lost half of the battle. They can easily overtake us. And the Red Sea, when we go, we'll drown. When we go back, the Egyptians will kill us. And then you say to us in the midst of all this, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In that situation, it is very difficult to stand still. Because what your eyes are seeing, what your ears are hearing, I mean, you want to say, what do I do? Maybe, is it better to be killed by the Egyptians? Maybe they'll take me back to Egypt. Or is it better to go ahead and drown? What should I do? Then you begin to make phone calls. Please, help me. What should I do? Speak to me. Help me. And Moses, who is a leader, turns to God and says, what should we do? And God says, why are you asking me what you should do? Stand still. A leader who is not seen to be doing anything. The enemies are coming. You say, I should stand like this. How? The weapon of soberness. Because when you are sober and you are still, then God can manifest himself. And even sometimes when you go through something traumatic, what happened? And I went, and I said, go down. Count down. They give you water. They don't talk to you yet. So calm down. Relax. Don't even speak. Because you are beside yourself like a drunken person. And you are likely not to even give the correct facts out of your ecstasy and your emotional breakout, which women are good at. <laughs> Sometimes you see something is coming. Instead of standing still and saying, what will I do? It does not solve the problem. In West Lagos, if a spider comes, somebody shouts, ah! they don't ask what it is. The whole class, tables and chairs and everybody out. And the mistress will come and say that, you are under punishment. And she will ask one person, what happened? I don't know. I heard a scream. Then they'll go around and you were the first person who screamed. Why did you scream? I thought I saw a spider. I thought I saw a mouse. And the whole class has... And when that happens, people around you are also affected. And they don't even stop to ask you, what happened in the first place that brought us here? Stand still and see. Hey! We are used to, if even they had said, now everybody shout to God now. Everybody start to do, at least you are doing something. And human beings like to 
make an effort. And we have even made verses that are not in the Bible. People will be speaking to me in church. Like the Bible says, heaven helps those who help themselves. I said, please, it's not a verse. I am sorry. And it's true that heaven helps those who are, but not always. Sometimes heaven helps those who have no help at all. Hallelujah. The Bible says, my help is in the name of the Lord. Stand still. Can you stand still? You are used to doing and not being. Just be a child of God. Just be a sheep. Just be somebody that God can... But no, being, no. Doing, yes. Because human beings like to do. And carnal weapons are to do. But to be still. It's not working. And everybody would think, oh, but to be still is very easy. But it's not easy given the circumstances. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. God, this is my husband. I can never stand firm. If I stand firm, everything will be destroyed. <laughs> this situation, I can never stand still. I have to speak my mind. Otherwise, Lord, things will not work. I have to organize. This financial situation, I can never stand still. I have to do something about it. My ministry, I never can stand still. But when God says stand still, he's saying that stand still and look up to me for direction and for what next. So Moses says stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For the Lord will fight for you. That God who brought me out of Egypt and has brought me in this danger, how will he fight for me? He has shown me that he's incapable. The Lord will fight for him. Moses said, and you have only. But that's the only that is difficult. He says, the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be still. Hey! What is that only? It's not easy to be only. Only still. Only don't worry. Only don't fret. Only... It's easier said. The words are easier written. But when you are in it, it's not easy. When Jehoshaphat was going to war, then you, God, you say that he should bring a choir. Hey! In nothing being terrified. Because when you see things, you become terrified. And it's the terror that makes us not be able to be still. That terror means we have to do something. But Philippians is saying, in nothing being terrified. Which is to your adversaries, when you are cool and collected, then your adversary says, why is she not fretting? Why is she not worried? When you see somebody very confident in the midst of seemingly tumultuous and terrible situations, hey, what is it? The person is just able to be still. It, be, it makes the adversary go back. What is it? What's happening? Why is she so cool? Maybe what I think I'm doing to overcome, she knows something. So when people are poking you, choking you, and you are still, is she human? Is she normal? Because they are getting you to be provoked. They are getting you to react. And when you don't react, there's no battle. I was telling the ladies at the Pastor's Wives Conference last year, I said that I have learned that when people call me into the boxing ring, I don't come. If they say, okay, Mike Tyson and this are coming to fight. Mike Tyson has worn his uh, boxing gloves. He's come. Doing this, shorts, and then I'm the opponent. I didn't come. How can the battle go on? But many of us, no show, we will also go and get gloves and say that I will also fight for you to see. But the stillness is the no show. 
The Bible says that when you do that, your adversary, the one who is against, who is adversary, he becomes terrified. And then it says to them, an evident token of perdition. It's like we are lost. What's the battle strategy now? Why is nobody saying anything? And why is nobody minding us? Hallelujah. Sometimes stillness is a command God gives. And sometimes stillness comes because you don't have a choice. Like I was saying that we were attacked so many years ago in our old place in Kolegono in Accra. And when we were attacked, blood was shed, bottles were broken, fetish people fighting with church people, chaos. Pregnant women passing out, blood being spilled. And then I'm at the back of the church and I'm told, come, come, come quickly. I'm taking to the basement, which was then a very small room. Darkness, no lights. Then my children are up in the tower, on the topmost floor, or the third floor, so of the J Church. And I am here in the basement with my husband. I can hear people screaming, Ah, ah, Pastor Kuenko fighting. I can hear it. And I'm not supposed to do anything. I'm supposed to just be still. And I'm thinking to myself, should I not rush up there to save my children? Should I not go up there and organize somebody to go through and bring them? Because they were also very evident, the three of them, very fair. They are not easy to, a difficult to identify. So as I was sitting there, what should I do? My mind was racing. Then I realized that I was helpless. There was nothing I could do. I just needed to be still and know that he's God. So my stillness, I just sat there. And in those moments, I just speak in tongues because I can't think. My Bible says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh mysteries unto God. So I just speak in tongues. But in a still way, what will it do? What will it bring me? It would have worsened the situation because now you are also gone. And you can also be attacked. And you can also be finished. But in the midst of all the chaos, you hear screaming, is it your child? Blood is being spilled. Is it your children? Because they are the target. You know, and you have been put under in the basement. What do you do? How do you control that situation? Be still and know that I'm God. This morning when we walked in, there was worship. But before I came, I got a text message from my husband. Our service has been attacked by armed robbers. And it's very wild. We've been overtaken by them in the Nigerian church. Armed robbers are all around us. That was the first text. And I began to pray. What would I say? Pray and remember God's verses and his promises. And then I told Lady Pastor Sarah and I said, you know, that's the whole of Lighthouse Chapel in there. The bishop is there, all the overseers from London, USA, Bishop Saki from the Kodesh, pastoral care, denominational, everybody is in there. That's Lighthouse Chapel. And that's what Satan has designed to attack. As I sat there then, I made the calls that I thought I could make. And then I sent Bishop a text, I've made the call. And then he sent a text, the policeman has been shot. And I'm in shock. And after that, no more text. And I remembered what I was coming to preach this morning. 
And I said, stillness in the midst of a battle. And sometimes you must preach to yourself that what difference can it make? Ah, ah, what am I going to do? You're a waste of energy. <laughs> when I'm in labor, I don't decide how to behave. But usually, I don't have the strength to scream. The pain is so unimaginable. I just lie there. My, my face is wet. Nothing comes out. I'm so surprised that God's word is so true. <laughs> it's not like headache. It's not like stomach. I, I'm so overcome. <laughs> if God has said this in sorrow, and it's so true, then everything about God's word must be true. You know, so I just go. And then with my first child, I spoke a little, but not much. And I was saying to the nurse, C'est pénible. It means it's painful. That's all I was saying to the nurse in Switzerland. My husband was sitting by me. When the nurse went, I said, it's not painful. I was very angry. And he said that if it were painful, you would not speak in French. French is not your mother tongue. <laughs> if it's real pain, you don't say c'est pénible. I said, I'm saying it's for the nurse to tell me, well, that's how it is. Or that's how, whatever. So, no, no. then I said, seduce. Hmm, mommy. If you were really in pain, you say, Jay! <laughs> but I decided that I didn't even have strength to quarrel <laughs> or to fight. I was just still. My face was just wet. I mean, and I said to myself, if only God gives me just one child, it's enough. With this pain, just one is enough. Hey! And our mothers don't tell us what to expect. And my mother said, so I, I said to her, you know, you didn't try. You didn't tell me. She said, how will I explain it to you? I said, oh, but just say it's painful. But you say nothing. You know? But in the stillness, I think that God gives strength. When they say push, then I'm strong enough to push. If you use all your energy, hey, hey, I just say, push, I'm tired. <laughs> you can't give birth to anything. And so as I was there, I was just praying and then receiving text messages. So when we got in, then I said to Daddy Pastor Sarah, I think that we should break the worship a bit and intercede for them because they're under attack. But I also didn't want to say the details because I feel that some of us, the stillness is not our gift. <laughs> oh, we do. <laughs> we don't need that. Amen. So I said, it's better you give the topic in a general way. And we wait on God. And when she finished, let's pray. So I said, let's thank God that it has been done. My heart was beating. I was worried. But I had to learn to be still. And often when you preach something, God will give you the opportunity to live it. <laughs> Hallelujah. And just as I sat here, the bishop sent me a text. We have escaped. And we are in the hotel. Hallelujah. And I thank God for that. The weapon of stillness. I'm not preaching. You know, it's become a prayer meeting. Get up, everybody. Hey, hey. 
that will be what you'll be tempted to do. But it doesn't bring much results. But if you will be still and know that he is God, a lot of things will happen. And many of us, we are so battle prone that God has to remind us that the battle is not yours because we are always taking on battles, not ours. Battles with different people's names. You see, I know a lady, she's, she's a Christian in the church in Ghana, but she's always fighting for people. And she's somebody who sells something, so I always go there to buy that thing. And one day, I packed my car, and she's a very barely woman, you know, she came and she said, Francis, mommy, what do you want today? Where are you from? So oh, I just beat up somebody. I said, Christianity has changed. Because in our time, you even be shy. The Bible says that the servant of the Lord must not be a striker. And you have got to beat somebody. I said, why did you? And you are telling me that. That's why. Give me time to breathe a little. I just want to beat somebody. I said, well, really? What did the person do to you? Uh, is this lady who is my neighbor? And then her husband, something, something, something. And then this one is trying to misbehave. She doesn't know the other party. So to, so to help my friend, I went to beat the other one. And this, this is about the third time I've been to her. And then she, she's coming from a fight. Fully. And I said, if you do that, what Bishop says about guns will be proven. So try not to be so... Not to fight so much. So I gave, him a, I gave her a good beating. And then one of the fights, she told me when she went, it was at a funeral. She beat the person. Then she was going to take on the next person. The next person was a lady pastor from Switzerland. So she said, uh, mm, so you are the lady <laughs> I mean, it's almost incredible. But she takes on battles, not hers. You know, some people are like that. They are very faithful friends. So whatever battle. But God is saying that every battle has a name written on it. And the battle is not yours. But it's for the Lord. And he has to tell you because you like fighting. And you are battle prone. And you are always using your own weapons. The weapons of insults. Offense, bitterness, unforgiveness, things that you won't forget. You will never forget. The things, those are the weapons you are using. And can you not see that it's getting worse? And you are not getting to where you are going. Be still and know that I'm God. First Corinthians 9.25 says, He that striveth for the mastery must be temperate in all things. Not some, but all. That means self-control. And many of us, we are not self-controlled in our emotions. We say Jesus is Lord, but the emotions rule us fully. Amen. Amen. And sometimes we cry and cry and cry. We don't pray. We don't talk to God about anything. This thing that has hurt me. I'm hurt. And then you never get healed. You never move on because God never comes in into the situation. It's just a pity party and tears. And pity party, you need tears for it. A lot of tears. So you cry buckets. But after that, you don't grow out of it. 
The Bible says about the woman with the issue of blood, she had suffered many things and was nothing bettered. Don't let that be your story. That you suffer many things, but you never get better. But your suffering is supposed to make you a better person. Your suffering is supposed to bring you and hone you and make you more into what God wants you to be. But when you are suffering for nothing, there's something wrong. Amen. And you are probably just working on emotions. And many of us are on emotional yo-yos. We never have a place of stability. But if you will be stable in the Lord, when Satan sees you, you say, ah, her former reactions have changed. At first, she used to be a certain way. When I poke her here, I know the response. When I poke her there, I know she'll either shout, she'll get on the phone, she'll face people, she'll... You see, the Bible says the root of bitterness trouble you and defiles others. You call others and defile them. But how come now, when I poke this, she's okay. When I poke this, she's her heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. But if you want to win the prize, you have to be self-controlled in all things. And the Bible says that self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. But most of us Christians are interested in the gifts of the Spirit. But the fruits are not there. Because fruit takes time to grow. And gifts are just given. <laughs> Prophetic word of knowledge. That God gives you. But the fruit stems from a seed. And it takes a long time. Leaves will come. Stems will come. Before fruit will come. But fruit makes you attractive. And fruit makes you beneficial. Because people can eat of that tree. The weapon of stillness. Soberness. Being sober. The Bible says that it is required of a bishop. Among all the things that he be sober. Why? Because so many things will come. That will cause you not to be able or want to be sober. But if you are not sober, you can't take level-headed decisions. And it says about the deacons' wives, they must be sober. Another version says grave. It means that your mind is at rest and can reason sensibly. The Bible says the older women to teach the younger women, among other things, to be sober. Again. To be sober, it means there's something that can be taught. And it says, it's older women must teach younger women to be sober. But it's not every older woman you should go to. The Bible says that the older women should not be given too much wine. They should not be malicious gossips and slanderers. And they should be teachers of good things. It qualifies what type of older woman you should go to. So some of you, your mothers are older women, but they are not godly. They are teaching you from what they know. They are experienced. It's not that they have any body. They want to give you an insurance against tragedy. But unfortunately, it is ungodly counsel. Amen. And the type of person who counsels you is important. That's why Paul is writing to Timothy and says, the older women, these are the three qualifications. And after that, they should teach the younger women so many things, but also to be sober. Because when you are not sober, you don't take serious decisions. Because you are not sober. When you are not sober, when your friends come and say, Oh, this guy says he wants my you won't even give it a thought. But soberness will let you settle down and think. 
and say that this person, his head is not nice. But he's a good person. He loves God. He fears God. It doesn't matter the sharpness of the back of the head. It's going to work. Because when you go and tell your friends, they overpower you. And sometimes, even when you like, you can't say, it's, oh, this one, no, 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 he's no case, no case. That, there's no soberness. Hallelujah. Anyone who wants to gain the mastery must be sober still in all things. The ability to be sober. The ability not to expend energy. The ability to look as if you don't even know what's going on around you. It comes from God. And he says, the battle is the Lord's. But it doesn't end there. He said, and not yours. Because you are like that sister of mine. Taking our battles that are not yours. Taking our battles that you will lose. Taking our battles that we know that the end results will not be good. And God does not end there. The battle is not yours. He says, it is mine. The battle is the Lord's. When Daniel was told by the king, nobody should pray in this kingdom again. And if you pray, you are going to be put into the lion's den or in the furnace of fire, whichever one it was. The Bible says Daniel went to his house and he opened the windows of his house and faced towards Jerusalem and said a prayer. It doesn't look powerful. When a king says such things about you, you go and look for people close to him. To go and talk to him to change his mind and what he's saying and all that. So some of the stillness is spiritual stillness. You just pray about it and you leave it. I was saying yesterday, we must discover our no longers. Because the Bible says about Moses' mother, when she could no longer hide him, she made a basket and put him in. But many of us, we don't know when we get to that place of no, no longer. You've done the part that God says you should do. The rest, you can't do it. You are always fighting with your husband because you have made yourself personal Holy Ghost. He will change before I change, Lady Pastor. <laughs> he will change. Before. If he wants it to change, he should also change. But when you get mature, the more you go into your closet to pray about your husband, the more the Lord wants to change you. And the more the Lord tells you that your husband is not your business. You, you are my business. Since you came, I've discovered a lot of things about you. <laughs> you seem to have a long list of complaints. Lord, he's this, he's that, he's that. Eh. But what about you? What about you? And then you seem to see, then you start to be a stomach. Uh, okay. So I have issues after all. I'll work on it. And God says, be still about those, your husband's issues. If I can get your attention and change you, the other things will sort themselves out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Which is to them an evident token of perdition. When the children of Israel were going round to the promised land, they were traveling. The Bible says that the fear of them fell on the nations as the people were approaching. They didn't do anything. Just the fear of them they had heard the kind of God they had. And now he had parted the Red Sea. And what great things had been done. So that was a battle strategy. And they didn't need to go and say, as they are coming, the people just give way. And Rahab the Harlot said, we've heard. And we know that the Lord will surely give you the city. 
So me, I want to align myself to the winning side. So come and hide here so that after everything, you, you remember me. Because the dread of you has fallen upon us. And I think that is how it is with all children of God. The dread of us falls on the enemy. We don't know that even just carrying the divine presence, it may not speak loudly, but there's a presence. There are times when I've been in just ordinary situations and the person has said, no, 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 no. I, I don't like, I, I cannot face up to this spirit in you. You know, when we're moving to our office, we went to an Indian run, but Chinese manufactured furniture shop, manufacturing furniture shop in Ghana. So when we went, the Indian man was there, nice, with his red thing and his red thing here. Then we went, looked around. I was with some of my staff. And then we said, we'll come back. So we went, came back another day. Then the man called my assistant, Shelly, said, please come, I want to ask you something. So Shelly said, this lady you are working with, who is she? Shelly said, oh, I work with her. There's something around here. Every time she comes in, there's a certain like a halo, a spirit. I don't know what it is. And Shelly said, she's a pastor. I said, oh, that's why. And I didn't know that conversation. So when I came, I said, so where do you go to church? So the Buddhist temple. And I said, I want to invite you to church because in the university, I used to have a convert who was a youth leader of the Buddhists. And he's now a Christian, you know. So when he said the Buddhist temple, I thought, oh, this one, God has done it before. So I said, I want to invite you to church. I said, I'll come. It was very easy. I'll come. And I said, really? I said, we haven't moved yet. But when we move, you know, it's at this place. These are the directions. So anytime you tell me, I'll say, how can a Buddhist agree? So it was when we were leaving, leaving, I said to my sister, how can a Buddhist agree so easily to just come? And I said, oh, mommy. He says that you've been here three times. Every time he sees something around you. So when he asked, what type of job do you do? When I said you were a pastor, that's why. There's something. But before then, the first time I went, he had asked me if I liked Indian food and whether we could go for lunch somewhere. (laughs) But that opened my eyes to the presence of God. Because sometimes you are just walking, you don't know what you are carrying. But that alone just fights for you. There are things that are unseen. Like angels. Jesus said that if I like, I can call legions of angels to fight on my behalf. And the Bible says the angels of the Lord encamp round about us to deliver us. Could it be that when Bishop and Co were under attack today, angels, hosts were around. But we can't see it. And everything looks still. Nothing is happening. Nothing is happening because we don't look into the spiritual realm. To see, there's a lot of activity in the spiritual realm. And we are like Jacob. He takes a stone and he sleeps. And all that he can see is the stone and where it is. And then he wakes up and says, hey, I saw angels ascending and descending on a ladder. The Lord was here and I knew not. And many of us, the Lord is there in the situation, in our lives. But we know not that he's there. So I think that in order to be still, how do you cultivate stillness? Is to pray the Lord, open my eyes that I may see. Because when he opens your eyes, you will see things that the human eye cannot see. 
When he opens your eyes, you will see the company of angels that are on your side. When he opens your eyes, you will see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost fighting for you. When he opens your eyes, you will see his word and his promises. And all that will invoke stillness in you. But when you can't see anything, and all that you can see is what is happening in the physical, you will be affected. Hallelujah. So God needs, we need to have a spirit of discernment. And we need to ask for that gift. So that we can discern who is with us, who is for us, and who is on us, and who is over us. And when we do, I think that that will help us. You know, I was telling Lady Pastor Sarah, she said, Mommy, I feel so bad about this. I said, Sarah, it will be okay. This is just like what happened in Koligono. It will be okay. But my mind was tempted to race. Because when people besiege a place, after shooting the policeman, they start to shoot the people. The hostages they take, they start to shoot the people to bring fear. And I said, oh, those are not images I would like to think about. But I would like to think about God's promises. You know, I said, I'm going to preach this today. And I've learned that the way to be still is to keep my my heart fixed on what he said. So I said, yeah, and when I was preaching in Virginia, God said that in a verse that he would deliver, he has delivered, and he, he, he delivered, he is delivering, and he will yet deliver. So why don't I just stand on that word and with just calmness sit in his presence and see what the Lord will do. And the Lord has done it already. He has given me a practical lesson. Before I can even preach his word. Which is to them an evident token of perdition. In nothing being terrified is fear. That also makes us not able to be still. Because we feel that if we don't do anything. What will happen? What will be the outcome? Will things not get worse lady pastor? Will things not get destroyed? Will I not... um, Will I not miss an opportunity to salvage a situation? Many times God will show you what to do. Like the children of Israel, you may have to take a journey out of Egypt. You may have to go through the Passover, eating on your knees and in a hurry and in haste. All those things are activities. But in your work with God, you also come to a place. It's a mixture where he says to you, stand still. Hallelujah. And when Jesus went to heaven, he had finished everything. everything. He said, when he was confronted by Pilate and all that, he didn't speak. He said, are you the son of God? Tell us. Most of us would have entered the debate. Have you not seen that I'm the son of God? 25 reasons why you should not crucify me. Look, I healed the people. I calmed the storms. I did this and that and that. Only the son of God can do this. Don't you know that? But Jesus didn't speak. It was not a time to speak. The Bible says there's a time for everything. And there's a time to keep silent. There's a time to do nothing. There's a time to say nothing. And those are the times... Oh, Paula. (laughs) Sorry. Those are the times we have to recognize in our lives and know. So we also need to know when God is asking us to be still. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And, and usually God will ask you to be still. The situation is at its worst. Oh, yeah. 
I can, I can promise you. If you want to know the seasons of stillness, look at the seasons when everything breaks loose, hell breaks loose, everything is haywire. That is when he will call upon you to be still. And he says only. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Only. Only. It means it's very easy. Of all the many things that you would like to do, only. Only be still. Many of us are active. Even in the church. Doing this, doing that. But he's calling you to be still. Just like Mary. Still at his feet. And just listen. But we have all become martyrs. We are busy. Fully. The Bible says when Jesus came, Martha received him at the door. And many of us are like that. We have received him into our lives. Then after that, instead of putting our attention on him, we are busy about things around him. And we are busy about things that look urgent. And the Marys don't impress us. I have a message like that, one thing. You know? And I think that if I had a child like Mary, I would be very angry. Guests have come. In the midst of it, we are trying. You bring drinks. You, then I come and you are sitting quietly. What do you mean? The Bible says Mary just sat at his feet. And Martha came and complained because she thought she had an issue. And like many of us, we think we are so right till so we come to God. Then we realize we are not so right after all. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, thou art encumbered about with so many things. But one thing. Just one. It's needful. Not one is nice. Oh. Not one is urgent. But one thing is important. One thing is needful. And Mary has chosen. It's a choice. It's a choice. Mary has chosen the good part. It means Martha's part was not good. And so that shall not be taken away from her. Everything else will be taken away. This hospitality, flurry, activities. It will be taken away. But that good thing of just sitting at the feet of a master and doing nothing. Whenever you go and wait on God, you feel you are wasting time. You feel you are not achieving anything. You feel that, what is it doing for me? Because human beings, we are used to doing. But when you see yourself singing, preaching, serving food, drinks, bringing people from your house to yes, huh, that's work. That's ministry work. We are organizing church. But when you are in your closet and you are quiet before him, you don't feel... You don't feel that prayer is something that counts. You think it's necessary, but whether it counts, you don't feel... You know, that's why sometimes when you are praying, you look at your text message. Okay, church problem, let me solve it. Go, then you come back. Every time the agent is calling you from the important. But Mary did nothing. She just sat at his feet. Be still and know that I'm God. Because it is in the stillness at his feet that our strength will come. But that is the most difficult because it's a fast-paced world. Can't you see everything? Even microwave is noisy. Ding! Everything is... <laughs> and everything is hustling, bustling, plans, this, that. And it looks like to just be still, Lady Pastor. 
things are getting spoiled. Do you understand? I need to go for that job interview. But to be still and speak to God about your job situation. No, I need to be there. But when you go, no favor. All doors closed. Even if a door is open, that may not be God's will for you. But when you are able to be still, God, this job. The phone will be calling you. The temptation not to be still. You don't yield. Text messages will be calling you. You don't yield. Children are calling you. You do Sometimes I lock my door. And my children will come. Boo, 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 boo. We know you are there. And so what? I am there. And sometimes they even think I'm sleepy. Yeah, mommy. You've been sleeping for a long time. And most of the time I don't bother to answer. I just say, really? In this life, can somebody just sleep? <laughs> like that for a long time. But I realize in my own life and the busy and hectic pace that I'm often tempted to go out there and do so many things instead of staying at his feet. And it's a lesson. This was my quiet time. One thing is needful. One. I said, God, but everything is, you know, the staff are calling me from the office. The visitors are coming. Everything is out of order. I said, no. One thing is needful. When you are able to sit still at my feet. Everybody else will think you are lazy. Everybody else will say, why? The whole houses are washed with activity. Only you. You are sitting here at the master's feet doing nothing. But that is where my strength is. And that is where my ability lies. And that is what will help me to be all that God wants me to be. But we are often deceived. Because stillness doesn't look powerful. Which is to them an evident token of perdition. When you are still before God, Satan knows a power is emanating from there. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It is after waiting that you begin to run and not be weary. Mount up with those activities. But it comes after waiting. Not before. Amen. Not before. But we have put the cart before the horse. And we have rearranged our priorities. And we have become martyrs. It's good to be hospitable. But now you have thrown out everything spiritual. And all you do is carnal things. And you receive the applause of men. But when you pray, nobody applauds you. Nobody even knows that you pray. Nobody knows you are waiting on God. And sometimes you feel so bored and so bored. You begin to yawn. But it's all part of a journey. Because even the disciples, they slept. How much more you? (laughs) They slept in the presence of Jesus. And when Jesus woke them up, two times or three times, he said, could you not watch with me? After that, he said, sleep on. (laughs) Sleep on. Because the hour has come. I'm I'm not even going to rebuke you. Sleep on. There's another phase of your life coming. You'll be okay. So sleep on. Amen. Amen. But we have many excuses. Oh, when I, when I wait on God, I will sleep. Oh, when I do this, then I'll that. Oh, I have to do, to-do list. I think there was a clip like that. Yeah. The woman trying to pray. Yeah. You know, and it looks like a chore to her. But as you mature in your work with God, you will be yearning to pray. You'll be yearning to have time. You'll be yearning for the stillness, but it's not coming. It's elusive, but you yearn for it. You want to be in His presence because you know that that's where your strength is. The Bible says he leads us by still waters. 
not troubled ones. He makes me lie down because if not, you'll be jumping like a goat everywhere. <laughs> the shepherd has to make you lie down in green pastures. Otherwise, you will not lie down. Every day you are awake doing something. Your own agenda, your own plans, your own... But when the shepherd comes into your life, he leads you by still waters. Because he knows that you need stillness. And he makes you lie down. When you lie down, you feel that I'm not progressing. I'm not in motion. Why is that? But that's where the shepherd wants to get you to. If you can lie down, he will give you green pastures. He will give you still waters. Because he knows that when you are in that condition, you can flourish like the kind of sheep he wants you to be. May the Lord teach us how to be still. May his promises invoke stillness in us. May he open our eyes to see his promises so that we will be still. May we not be so, you know, self-ambition and self-will propelling us to make ourselves what we want us to be. But may we become the sheep of the shepherd. And when we say the Lord is my shepherd, it will be true. Because there will be areas and times of lying still. By still waters. Waters of peace. Not waters of troubles and being ruffled. And if we don't find that place of peace, we can never go on. And to Satan, when he sees you lie down like that, say, does she not know what's going on? And that is what brings God into the battle. But so far as you are fighting your own battle, he can't get involved. But when you leave the battle to him, the Lord will fight for you. What has he said about your ministry? What has he said about your future? What has he said about your life? Be still. Be still. And know that he's God. Amen. Amen. Be still and know
thank you for your powerful hand and your hand of deliverance. Thank you that when we called on you, you answered, oh God. Thank you, God, for doing more than we could do. For it was your battle and you fought it. Blessed be your name. I give you all the glory. I give you all the praise for what you have done this morning. Blessed be your name. Oh, yes, Lord. today and you want to say, Lady Pastor, pray for me. I need the grace to be still. I need the grace to be quiet before God. I need the grace to release my battles before God. You are here like that. You want to lift up your hands and I want to trust the Holy Ghost to reach you where you are and to give you that grace for God is able to make all grace abound, the Bible says. Oh, be still and know that I'm God. He will lead you by still waters. He will make you lie down. Oh, Father, I thank you for your people. And I thank you for our walk with you and for how far you have brought us. Father, behold every hand that is lifted up. I pray for the grace of stillness. The grace of soberness. The grace to release battles that we cannot fight. Battles that are yours, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus. The Lord, they will be still because you will help them. You will teach them. You will lead them to the place of stillness. I pray against anxiety, worry, oh God, being ruffled, oh God, being perturbed and petrified and terrified. I come against every such spirit and I pray for a seizing of stillness before you. May your people not be deceived by the enemy to think that they have to get involved in certain battles. Reveal to them the mighty power and arsenal that's behind them. Reveal to them the love of God so that they can trust. Reveal to them your good purposes, O God. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, peace. You are here today. You don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. You are not sure whether you will go to heaven or hell when you die. You want to say, Lady Pastor, pray for me. I want to be sure. I want to go to heaven when I die. Please pray for me. You are here like that today. I want you to lift your hands up. And I want to pray with you. I want to encourage you to come to Jesus. I want to encourage you to make a new start. I want to encourage you to rededicate your life. You are here like that today. Lady Pastor, pray for me. I want to start all over again. I want to be sure. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to rededicate my life. You are here like that this morning. Lift up your hands and I'll pray with you. Come to Jesus. Come to the Savior. The one who heals the broken hearted. And who makes life whole. You are here like that. Just lift up your hands and I'll pray with you. If you've lifted your hands, take another step. Come towards me. I want to pray with you. If you want to receive Christ and you've lifted up your hands, please come forward. I want to pray with you.
your children will not end here. I pray that you continue to speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Help us in things that are stronger than us. For you, God, are the strength of our lives. I pray, oh God, for stillness, for peace, for calm to come into our lives and for us to see you at work. Help us to stand still so that we may see the salvation of the Lord. Thank you for answered prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your seats. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.